Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Hello, I'm stand-up comedian Kiri Pritchard-McLean, here to tell you that I'm on tour with my brand new show, Home Truths. I'm going all over the country, wherever will have me. I'm touring right through the spring, and then because some of you lovely lot have bought so many tickets, I'm now getting to tour for the whole of autumn as well. If you would like to get tickets, they're all available on my website or you can go to littlewonder.co.uk and get tickets there. I can't wait to see you and I don't want to brag, but I've got one hell of an outfit. podcast. I'm Kira Pritchard-McLean. I am a stand-up comedian and I love stylish people. And I started a podcast so I could chat to them about their clothes. The height of indulgence, if I do say so myself. This week's guest is a phenomenal stand-up whose jokes are as sharp as their suits. It is Reese Nicholson. Now, Reese is so well-dressed, he was already dressing the part as a judge on Drag Race Australia before he got the job. That is no mean feat. This is a lovely episode. Reese is really honest, really open. It's fascinating because right at the end he goes, we don't know each other that well. And this is probably the longest we've spoken to each other. And it's true, it is. But that's all the more amazing when you think about how sort of like upfront he was with everything. And um, I mean, to make it clear, we get on very well. It's just sometimes it's hard to have a chat when you're in a dressing room. Something we go into at the end and there's loads of sort of middle-aged grumpy men in it. This chat was recorded in August 2021. And heads up, we talk about um, weight loss in this episode. Also, we learn about Murray the Mole. Now, I know there'll be a lot of Australians listening because Reese is absolutely huge. Well, everywhere, because he was on Drag Race. Um, but you guys will know what Murray the Mole is. Um, n- no idea. This is a new um, piece of education for people, I think, outside of Australia. Or maybe just outside of um, Newcastle, Australia. So we learn about Murray the Mole. And we learn about the advantage of being a redhead when it comes to disused mine shafts. Like I say, Reese is very open, very, very funny. So please enjoy this episode as I ask Reese Nicholson, who are you wearing? For someone who is so obsessed with, like, I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with fashion, but I'm obsessed with kind of style and like mm. people's style and stuff, um, and the concept of, I was, I did not have any for a long time. And I think it's like we grew up, this is not as grim as it sounds, but like pretty pretty poor and I, and I think that's always a um the way that I dress now is a reaction to that like I dress as if I'm quite wealthy now and I really love to buy things and I think it's not it's not like we we weren't you know 
wasn't like the first 20 minutes of um, Billy Elliot, uh, <laughs> no, which I always think is like a perfect example of like, wow, they are, they, he needs stuff. So if you're using ballet as an outlet, Jesus. <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of, not even hand-me-downs, but yeah, just kind of like, I, I love, uh, I don't, what's it, like charity shops. Like I still charity shop a lot of my kind of regular clothes, but I think it's just because we did a lot of charity shopping when we were kids mm. and so a lot of like kind of ill-fitting when I was a little kid although there is a picture of me the, of me as a baby like a pretty new baby and I'm wearing a little like a baby jumpsuit but it's in the shape of a suit like a <laughs> and actually now thinking about it it's a powder blue like and it's got like a little bow tie on it and my parents are at some someone's wedding or something and it is very funny to see like my baby face <laughs> on like a little suit like and it looks like Looks like the baby is cosplaying me. Um, I think my parents, my mum loves like dressing up and stuff. And, um, but they probably, I think as we got older, could afford it less. <laughs> it's almost like children cost a lot of money um, and kind of suck the life out of you. Um, and then my grandma, and then we, uh, through a series of financial circumstances, moved in with my grandmother for a little while and she makes a lot of clothes. Like, like she had five kids. Wow. The actual first piece of clothing probably is not a good style answer, but a good, um, like, I, must, I think it was like a merch shirt. Like, what band would it have been? It might have been someone weird like Kiss, which is so not me. <laughs> but I'd gone to see Kiss and I think I got to buy it with my own money. And there's something about that, like, mm. but like you know what I mean. And I and I wore that. It was like a it's a fucking kiss shirt. <laughs> like, can you imagine me as like, um, I must have been like, eleven or twelve or something, wearing a kiss shirt all the time, <laughs> all the time. Um, and I used to wear my sister's hand-me-down Doc Martin shoes because I thought like that thing where I've got one sibling and she's seven years older than me, which is enough time to like covet like she just always seemed cooler than me mm. like she's always gonna be, she's always at a completely different time of her life so everything is always like she wears doc martin so i want to wear doc martens yeah um uh and so a lot of like actually maybe those doc martens are a better answer they were these like ruby maybe isn't the right color but kind of the color of my hair like marbly doc martens and she gave them to me and i would just i loved them and I looked awful in them, Kiri. Like, I looked so bad. Because I think in those days as well, before you work out what you want to wear, you kind of just, it's more itemised. Mm. Like, it's more like, these are the shoes that I wear mm. and this is the shirt that I wear. And I'm not going to think about what they look like together. Yeah. Like, especially like little kids. When you, when you see a little kid get dressed, like when they dress them for the first time, that's a sentence that out of context isn't great um when you see a little kid get dressed but uh when they're allowed to start dressing themselves it is very like one of those books where you can pick the middle and the top and the bottom like because yeah. it's very like well these are my feet today and this is my middle today and we're gonna go big bows in the hair um and yeah like i, I started dyeing my hair red in like pretty early high school no one knows like Imagine being bullied for being a redhead every day and continuing to die. Like, it's your choice. <laughs> like, it was up to me. And I'm, like, bawling my eyes out because people are calling me a ranger. It's like, it's, but it's, 
but it's you that's doing that's it, mate. That's so interesting. So um, do you... Uh, yeah, it must have been very tough. And I know red-headed kids get a, a rough time in school just as a default. So you were were you dying at a brighter red? Was it taking some ownership of it? I guess so, yeah. Like, because I'm a redhead, but just not this. Like, I'm strawberry blonde. And I think I'm like a kind of mousy, boring colour. And again, my sister, my dear sister had dyed her hair red at some point. So I probably just did it with henna as well. <laughs> henna dye. So it fucking stank as well. Like it was really, like every time it got wet, it just smelt like manure. <laughs> um, so that's the boy you want to kiss. <laughs> um, the, the boy with girls Doc Martens on, a kiss shirt and henna dyed hair. What a catch. <laughs> Surprisingly sort of goth rocker for, for what I expected from you as a kid. Yeah. But, like, with my voice. <laughs> and I kind of, what like, um, and I think maybe that's probably, yeah, my sister was probably pretty gothy. Like, we're in a small, like, I grew up in Newcastle, which is, like, a, it's actually pretty similar to the Newcastle of the UK. Like, it's a steel city, like, very working class, very, mm. it's different and classically different now. Um, like, I go there now and it's, like, it's, like, a, um, I don't know. It, I would I would happily live there as an adult. <laughs> I don't right. want to. But you know what I mean? When you go there now, it's like, why wasn't like this when I was a kid? This would have yeah. been great. I grew up in like a coal mining. Like the I only remember this recently. And you know when you know something from your life is material somehow, but you don't know how, like it's not, there's not enough of a thing there, but it's just like the fact that it existed is when I was a kid, because there's so much coal mining, there was a cartoon character called Murray the Mole, like in the newspapers and on television who was created because kids kept falling down disused mine shafts. Are you serious? <laughs> and so they had to be like, this is Murray the Mole. And he would say, if you see a hole, don't think you're a mole. Run in the opposite direction and report your detection. <laughs> so that's where I grew up. Just children falling into sinkholes all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was the red hair to be sort of more easily spotted, sort of eight foot down yeah. a mine shaft? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could be used as a light. I was literally a canary down a mine. But yeah, I guess I guess I haven't really thought about the hair before. So it doesn't yeah. sound like you had a particularly strong style as a kid. You were just picking bits of, of no. influence from your sister and, and bits that you liked and trying to piece together something from that. But but who was who was dressing you, you know, when you were a little kid or when you were a teenager? Was that was it all coming from you or was it, you know, I a cousin think, or your mum? Yeah, like, I mean, my mum, like, you know, the lazy answer to that question is like, well, my mum dressed me because I was a kid. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, but I, I guess when I was a little kid, we used to wear it. There was this place called Pumpkin Patch, which was like a, and they were like pretty cute. Like a lot of people's kids wore Pumpkin Patch. And so it was a lot of denim, a lot of like night, like a picture of a kid in the 90s. That's what it was. <laughs> like there's so many pictures of me at... McDonald's kids parties. <laughs> you know, there's like an era, because we're about the same age, I think. Yeah. Like the, um, and I don't know if they were the same in the UK. In Australia, there was a big thing in the mid 90s mm. and kind of early 90s of like kids having parties at McDonald's. Yeah. And there was a very hungover, failed, <laughs> art, like acting student there dressed as a clown. <laughs> yeah. They didn't want to be there. Um, and yeah, like that kind of uh, very bright, uh, there was a point I feel like where kids suddenly went from um, no, you, you have to look very boring to like 
suddenly in the kind of 80s and 90s, kids were wearing like lasers. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like lasers and bowl cuts. That was like the big, like in kind of a lot of um, sneakers and like kids became almost accessories for their parents. Yes. Like you were able to kind of dress them up like a purse <laughs> and be like, eh? <laughs> um, but then I think, yeah, I started uh, coming back to the kind of not really having a style. Like I used to wear just a lot of charity shops, call them op shops in Australia. Um, the Which I only found out recently is Opportunity Shop, which to me is like, just go with Charity Shop. It makes so much more sense. <laughs> or Thrift Store. Um, the uh, I, I started just wearing things like that. And I reckon it wasn't until... I don't know, like 16, like pretty late that I started to like really think about it. Like there was a, what, there was a long time and I think it was probably a money thing and I'm making it seem like we were proper poor, but like we were very poor, but not like, you know, we didn't feel that whole, that classic thing of like our parents did a very good job at making us feel like we mm. were fine. But in retrospect, we were not. <laughs> um, but the, I started to really think about like, and it probably happens with puberty as well. Like you start to kind of, you know, your body changes, mm. you start getting feelings um, and start thinking. And I, I was quite chubby until about then as well, which I've probably had a lot to do with as well. Like I, clothes had more of a utilitarian, util, no, that's not the right word, utility job, like of to cover me up. Like I was mm. pretty, pretty chunky. And I started to lose weight about 16 and suddenly was like, Oh, I can wear like cute stuff now, like interesting skinny jeans and stuff like that, and but you know be a bit more kind of fun and mm. um, started doing my hair differently and and then that just kind of snowballs, mm. I think. We, yes, yeah. Really were about you that um, yeah. when you were a kid then, and you were like you say, there's a there's a lot of um, thrift stuff, charity shop stuff going on, and then bits from your sister. Were you ever put in something that you absolutely hated wearing? Oh, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, those kind of just button up, big button ups on that you would always be given by like a relative. You know, there's like imagine, like imagine being at our age or just as an adult. Imagine being given some clothes as a present <laughs> like by a relative not by like I feel like it's a thing that happens within couples a lot but I feel like when we were kids I don't know if this is a purely my family thing or no but like your aunt would just kind of give you a shirt yeah and it's like well who are you to give me this <laughs> like who are you to be in charge of what I wear <laughs> um and like I'm sure I've seen people do material about this but like then you kind of have to wear it. Yeah. Like this kind of very big, and it was kind of big in the 90s and early 2000s, I think, of um, quite long shirts mm. on on boys. Mm. Like with quite, almost like you've, you know, in movies where like the ladies had sex with the guy and she puts on his shirt. <laughs> You've got like prepubescent boys shirt. walking around. <laughs> yeah. Just in these enormous kind of with flames on them or something or like really weird <laughs> rip curl branded shirts um and though i always felt very uncomfortable in those types of things it's like this is like and it probably comes out of why am i being told what to do with someone i see three times a year <laughs> at a family function <laughs> like imagine that now imagine if like i just your aunt or uncle just gave you like a sh like a pair of pants 
<laughs> but also that's probably oh, pay, I mean, trousers. about as many times a year as we see each other. So if we turned up in a green room yeah. and we're like, hey, Reese, here's a shirt. <laughs> wear it. it would be Why don't you wear it on stage tonight? <laughs> Actually, I backed myself to and pick I that. Felt- <laughs> I felt really guilted into doing it. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. It like, doesn't fit me at all. I uh, I know the exact shirt. <laughs> I think it plagued all of our upbringings if we were all about the same age. Yeah, millennials, yeah. You'll, you'll all be mentally picturing those. They were weirdly long. They were weirdly long shirts. And it was around the same time um, as always... the three-quarter shorts. <laughs> oh, so God. it was just this strange, we were only allowed to show very small amounts of our body, like, but very odd <laughs> parts of our body because um those shirts would often come maybe a little bit below your elbow Mm. like it's kind of how we were all told to dress like smash mouth for a while (laughs) i've just realized it's it's the band smash mouth like but without the chain like all those kind of like kind of heavy set Band, like guys in bands in the 90s with yeah. like spiked hair. A lot of boys had spiked hair, frosted tips. I was <laughs> lucky enough to have avoided that in my life. But the, that mousse that you could get that a lot of boys used to wear that would bleach your hair. Oh my gosh, I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. crikey. It was like kind of sun kissed. I, I remember yeah. sun in that you'd put in and it would just make everyone's hair go a sort of unforgiving, brassy, blonde, sort of nudging yeah. into ginger territory, yeah. Yeah, which is kind and- of my real hair colour. Like exactly <laughs> what you've just described is kind of what it is. This kind of unforgiving is a perfect way to, like, it does it's there's zero commitment. item of clothing there or an outfit when you were growing up as either a kid or a teenager that you just never wanted to take off you were like this is it this is me and I've arrived um I think because I'm not like a big brand queen like if it looks good it looks good um but I remember buying just a plain I must have been about it's that area that 15 16 area where I like lost a bit of weight and I bought a just a plain black jumper like a but a nice knitted fitted kind of sweater mm-hmm. and i you know when you just buy one thing and it opens up a whole suddenly i could wear little collared shirts so like you know what i mean like yeah. it just sleeves rolled up that's a look sleeves rolled down that's a, like <laughs> it's kind of it's almost like that episode of the simpsons where marge m- makes the same suit over and over and over <laughs> again like but um i was obsessed and it was um there's a brand I think it's only in Australia called Saba, S-A-B-A. And they just make like nice, normal, like simple things. But I was obsessed with it. This like, and I used to call it like, I would reference like my Saba, well, my Saba jumper, like talk about, and this is like this poor, like 15 year old boy with like really bad acne, just like, who's just lost a bit of weight. And it's just, just, just trying. Um, But I loved it because it also made me feel like, stylish mm. it was just a plain black sweater yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean like it kind Chic. of suddenly yeah it was exactly that and it kind of it fitted me and it made me look nice and so I was obsessed with that and I, I wore it to death like until it was like pilling like it was yeah and I still kind of do that like I still I am glad that 
I think because of, and I don't know if you're the same coming from a working class background, but like, I still do, I love to buy things, but I still do wear things to death. Mm. Like I, I don't, um, I'm not waste for all. Yeah. I try not to be, I mean, he says, realizing he still buys things from like top man <laughs> and just like, well, these some little hands made this and it will be broken <laughs> in about a week and a half. Oh, that should be on the label. Some little hands made this. Yeah. <laughs> Some little hands made this. Like, that should be the, 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 the little hands collection from Top Man. <laughs> when you were growing up as a teenager then, what were the big trends? We know there's those three-quarter length sort of um, jean short things and then an mm-hmm. oversized flame T-shirt. But there were any other trends? And Did you go for them or were you... Were you trying to be part of the trend or were you trying to cut out on your own or did your like body issues make you feel like you couldn't be a part of any of it? I think by the time, so when I was 16, it would have been like 2005. And by that point, we're in like deep emo time, mm-hmm. like My Chemical Romance. But luckily, I'm one of those people I've just, I'm not anti-music. I'm just not that interested in mm-hmm. like kind of, you know, my favourite band is still Talking Heads. And so that is like, and so it's always been this, like my references are never quite right. (laughs) Um, But, and so I think, I think, um, but hey, it's come back around. People have David Byrne now. Um, The, I was, I'm, I'm so glad that I dodged the kind of screamo, I like emo period. Like when everyone had big, like, did you ever have a side fringe? Like a big. Of course I did. Kind of. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. Covering like a lot of the my kind face. of over one eye. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of the like a a lot of head movement to <laughs> get the fringe out of the way. way. I had big long hair by that point, but it was red. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So I I think I was trying to move away from that. Like I I wanted to look pretty simple, and I think that it probably started around there. Like I've I've from about then on. Because fashion got so complicated then. Mm. Like it was very accessory based and very mm. kind of like hat on hats, like <laughs> literally. Um, Several belts as well. Belts and chains. And um, and again, like being a, um, like a boy, I think, is in those, I mean, let's be honest, being a boy generally is easier and i'm sorry about that um but the during the during those and look it wasn't me um but the uh but i do continue to be part of the problem but the um the it, it, fashion is always going to be more complicated around that age for girls i think because you because there is a um you know you're suddenly being looked at and feeling differently surely I'm only basing this off like, mm. and so you kind of are dressing like the the way that you dress changes so drastically. I think yeah. from boys to adolescent boy, there's not that much. Like I don't know how do I cover up my boners? Like there's not really, <laughs> there's not a huge difference in how you dress unless you're like I. And I guess you know I was also coming to terms with my queerdom, so I was kind of. I remember there was a boy at my school that used to that was already wearing makeup. And I, and he kind of dressed pretty, what I would say, like he, he dressed really well and, and he took not to the left, like he had a nice leather bag and like, he probably came from a pretty wealthy family, but he was already so sure of himself to be wearing like makeup. And, um, and that was like fascinating to me. Mm. 
I forget what your original question was because now I'm just thinking about how I wanted to wear makeup so early. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I think I, I think I did try and wander out of the trends. Not because I thought I was some sort of trendsetter, but I think I just didn't like, I just visually didn't like them. Like mm. all the eyeliner and all the, like, everyone seemed quite emo and grim and I was trying to be kind of like a boho. <laughs> like, really? kind of. Well, we, like, just not really, but like I had kind of pretty long shaggy hair by this, not long, long, but kind of like it was the shape of emo hair without the black dye or the, <laughs> like I had a bit of a side fringe, but that was mainly to cover up all the acne on my forehead. There, um, the, I don't know, like I was in skinny jeans by this point and just a lot of white button up shirts and black sweaters, like just kind of just not boho, but just kind of loosey goosey, like, mm. I don't know. Will someone kiss me, please? <laughs> Will someone please kiss well, me? That seems a statement in itself if everyone else is doing the emo thing and you're kind of ref- refusing or refuting that. So did you have a rebellious phase as, as you know, growing up and did it, did it show up in what you were wearing? Probably the most rebellious thing I ever wore was to my final, so like our school dance at the end, like the year 12 dance. Mm. I did. I'd started learning to sew as well. I did textiles at school, and I'd done as part of my um, finals major work for textiles. Had made a jumpsuit, so I wore. I wore like a fire engine red jumpsuit <gasps> with like a um, Adam Ant strip across my eyes. Oh. Um, so yeah, maybe a little rebellious. Um, <laughs> And these kind of weird boots. Like, what the f- And people are there, like, to look their best. Like, people are there... And if you were to look at a picture now, you, it's like all these people in really nice suits. <laughs> and, like... But very, you know, early 2000s, mid-2000s kind of boys with, like, slicked down middle parts. <laughs> and, like, shell necklaces on. Like, the, like <laughs> the kind of where everyone's wearing a suit, but they look like they go on a court. Yeah. Like, they don't quite... Um, like just a bunch of football players suits are all walking out of court. Them. Yes. And then there's <laughs> little old Reese Nicholson. And it was one of the first times I wore a full, wore full face before as well. Like I, and it looked so bad because I didn't know how to put foundation on um, just to cover up my pimples. And I look insane. I had like, and I made my hair really big. Like when we first met, I was probably still wearing my hair. I did have mm. big hair, but I used to have like... Enor- like I used to backcomb it and a really huge and I had it, it was kind of the beginnings of that. And so, the, yeah, just this bizarre, just a really bizarre look. Like, n- zero, again, we've gone back to the itemised. <laughs> okay, I'll have adamant face. Okay, I'll wear a, a, like a, and oh, and this is the other, the jumpsuit was like, I still own it. It was embroidered, like machine embroidered, like, because I'm, the one thing I can, I'm terrible at reading patterns and stuff, but I can um, machine embroid pictures quite well, like freehand. I don't know why. It's just a skill that I, for some reason, have. Um, that my textiles teacher made enough of it that proved to me that I could not do anything else. <laughs> like she, she was really excited about it. She was like, well, this is your major work. <laughs> and so I wore that. That was probably my biggest rebellion in that I think people often look back at their rebellions and go like, ooh, I could have done that better. I didn't really think the landing. Um, 
But, you know, it happened. It was a moment. It sounds incredible. Also, like, people will be looking back at those prom pictures and there'll be a a kid with a full face, adamant makeup, in a red... (laughs) freestyle embroidered jumpsuit and they'll be like who's that and you'll be like he's on telly now yeah. he's famous yeah. and they'll be like of course yeah of course and that kid knew that when he was in year 12 it is yeah i mean it, that it, yeah it's a very nice thing to say and it is i guess it is a little bit that like because i was always i had a i had a i still have a costume box like as in in our house like i do love like being out like costume parties i was always the person going to costume parties putting having put too much effort into like <laughs> You know, like you get, it's like that from Mean Girls where, you know, she turns up with all the blood all over and everyone's like, oh, you're meant to be dressed sexy. I would have been like full latex zombie face (laughs) and like seeping wounds and stuff. And like, and same thing. Like, I think everyone had wanted to look. And I think that's, that's kind of it as well. Like I remain to want to look a bit weird, like a bit, not gross, but just like, oh, that's. Like I always pair my 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 foundations always maybe like a a a little like a a, a shade paler than it should be and like I you know this kind of like ethereal like oddly kind of like yeah ethereal thing like I I, I because why it sounds so wanky but like why look like everyone else like it yeah. seems very boring. No, I love that the idea of being like otherly. Yeah. Like, like just... is, uh, is that Kate Blanchett up there? <laughs> the style that you have now, which is so clear, like you could just you could draw you and leave a blank face, and people would know who it was. What <laughs> what age did that style start showing up at? When I started doing stand up, um, I used to just wear kind of like there's early pictures of me with like. I start, it started with like big hair and then I started wearing makeup because I had bad skin. And then that kind of developed into just realizing, I don't know if you're the same with this, like we both like to dress up. If you're on the bill, like I started at the Sydney Comedy Store and there'd be like 12, 14 people on the bill. Um, if you're the one with the big hair and the full face of makeup on, people are going to remember you, like, you know, Early on, I wasn't very good, but people remembered me. Like, I kind of rose the ranks pretty quickly in Sydney comedy. And, you know, I learned how to do comedy pretty quick, but I think partly because I was really loud on stage and I was very, I was something to look at. Like, there was a lot going. So, people booked me for things because they remembered who I was. (laughs) That is literally Um, the exact same reason that I wear sequins, because I was like... I don't think there's anything particularly special about me on stage, but I can be the one that they remember if I'm... I always wear something shiny and I look like I've made the effort. And it does work because, yeah, you know, I, I was a woman as well, so that's, you know, part yeah. of a sort of marginalised group in comedy. But yeah, they felt like, like they were getting something and a And I think extra. I was the same. Yeah, same. And it's not comparable in any way, but also, like, as a, as a queer comic, like, it was kind of... It stopped now, luckily, but there's a thing when, you know, and I've only been, I've been a comedian for 12 years um, and you still then kind of had to make a joke about it. Mm. Like you still, whereas, you know, I co-own a comedy club here in Melbourne and the kind of newer comic, gay comics coming up and queer comics kind of don't, it's, it's very nice. Like in such a short amount of time, it's changed where the audience isn't expecting. And I'd say it, it must be the same uh, or was the same. Mm. There's something about like a lot of my female 
comic friends would have to come out on stage and kind of weirdly address. Yeah. Even like, you know, and it, I guess to a lot of degrees that still absolutely happens. But for from my point of view, for a queer comic, you don't necessarily have to. But by dr- looking the way that I did, I didn't have to do the kind of like standard. You might be thinking something. Mm. You might, or you know, what's what's the cross between this and this doing on yeah. stage? Like you know that that's classic joke structure. Um, but uh, and then kind of as I just made a little bit more money, not from comedy, but just having day jobs and stuff as well, I was able to like buy a blazer and cause I'd always loved suits and stuff, but could not afford mm. them. And like then started to, and then, you know, so it ends up, I'm wearing the same suit for like three years, like exactly <laughs> just the same. There's, you can look at kind of three years of me performing and I'm wearing exactly the same <laughs> thing. Um, cause I just couldn't afford it, anything else. But, the, um, and then it slowly just develops into, I remember thinking even when I was, cause I started when I was 18, when I was like 20, I remember just being like, imagine if I had enough suits that I could wear a suit like every day. Like, just be one of those people who just wears a suit every day. And as I've gotten older, it's like, well, that sounds like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I don't want to have to wear a suit every day. Like, I don't know if you're the same as well, but it's not that we've painted ourselves into a corner, but we've really kind of created a, a look and a style for ourselves mm. of what we do on stage. And now sometimes I'm like, I, I, I have rules now, my own self, and, and this sounds so like, woe is me, performer. But like, if I'm doing 10 minutes of new material somewhere. I'm not wearing a suit. Mm. Like I'm not like I'll put on a face and I'll wear like something it takes nice. Longer to put on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the whereas then it used to be like if I'm on stage for three minutes, I need to have everything like down to the and that's I think that's what kind of made me a notable act in Sydney at the time is because I'd be in a bucket of shit comedy club or like bad. I I loved being like a lot of at a pub gig in a suit. I don't know, like, who's this old woman <laughs> trapped inside this little boy? But it's subversive um, that you're turning up to these, like, yeah. you know, circuit dog shit gigs that we do to get good at comedy, and you are rocking up like, oh, I'm playing I'm playing the opera house. Yes. And I will. Like, yes. I'm just dressing for it. It is exactly that. And then, and now I love, a, like... Every It used to be every year I would buy, like before Melbourne Comedy Festival, which is kind of our big festival here, and then it kind of turned into Edinburgh as well, I'd buy a suit. Like it, there was a moment where it turned into costume. Like it went from kind mm. of like, this is what I want to look like on stage to like, this is what I look like on stage. Mm. I always think of my stage persona as like a, um, what I wished I'd said. Like in that mm-hmm. moment, like it kind yeah. of, it's a, it's a, he's a lot smarter than me, like me on stage. And mm-hmm. so that's why the suits are a lot sharper than me. Like it's kind of mm. in my dream scenario, this is what my skin looks like. This is what my bone structure is. This is what my clothes are all the time. <laughs> and so this is what, this is who you imagine I am. And there's something really like, I think that's what clothes should do. Mm. I think. Well, do you think of makeup as part of your outfit then? I think so. Yeah. Cause I don't. I used to. I used to wear it the way that I wear it on stage now all the time out. And it's funny how that's also toned down. Like, have you toned down as, like, I feel like I've, as I've worked out my style more, I've refined it more 
And so the kind of, I used to wear the, like, you know, we both love very bright, like kind of fun things, but now they're like, it became more, less loud for me and more, I don't know, like refined, I, I guess is the word. Like it, it, it wasn't to get attention anymore. It was like to kind of yeah. keep up appearances. It's interesting. I think with me, it's not necessarily toned down, but it has become uh, less like something someone else would have. Yes. So I started to get more stuff made for yes. myself and less high street stuff. So and not necessarily that's not a looking down no, on no. it. I just go more vintage stuff because I guess I wanted to... Because the whole thing is like, oh look at me, I'm I'm a peacock, but I don't I don't want there to be another peacock sat in the audience. That's it. <laughs> in this, with the same that feathers. is exactly like I think <laughs> peacocking is the, is the perfect way to put it. Like because peacocks don't look rough. Like and I used to look rough. Like even <laughs> though I was wearing a suit and stuff, I look like I didn't look like it wasn't well put together. Um, but now I feel like and look and I'll probably look back on myself in five, ten years and be like, what the fuck was I wearing? Um, <laughs> but, you know, even down to the point, I'm making a conscious effort at the moment to learn how to do makeup that isn't so... Jesus Christ. Like, on stage, it'll always be, like, pretty heavy. But, you know, if I want to go to something like, I don't know, if it's, like, some sort of work do where there might be photos and stuff, mm. not to look like I'm wearing... It's like when you see stage actors... <laughs> like wearing their stage makeup backstage at something and you're like, ooh, <laughs> this is for a big room. This is not for an up-close photo. Um, but, yeah, I think to answer your question, I do think of makeup as part of my – part of as almost like clothes because I think it's just as um, – I think without makeup on, I look quite strange in a suit. I look like I'm going to court. Oh, interesting. Like, um, and maybe that's what I, just what I'm used to. And my, I have quite patchy skin. I always have, I still get like, it's kind of not too bad at the moment, but I, I just have like redness and it just doesn't look right mm. to me. It doesn't look bad. I'm not like, oh, I perform with makeup not on all the time if I'm doing new material shows mm. and stuff. But um, the, I think a full suit with, if I, if I was to see you at something and I had no makeup on and a full suit on, you'd be like, this looks strange. You wouldn't tell me. <laughs> but, it, but it would be like, it would look odd. No, same with what I wear. Like, ima- like think of yourself, like imagine wearing a ball gown. Yeah, it looks bizarre. <laughs> and like, because yeah. yeah, that's what, when you, go, when you go and do a telly thing and they ask what you want done with your makeup, I'm like, go, go full drag queen on the eyes. And you can see they're sort of like, hmm, because they're used to doing sort of like, a natural yeah. eye but I'm like I cannot wear you know like toe to, to neck sequins and have a some plain smoky eye yeah. it has to be as yeah. bold as everything else otherwise your face looks like an apology I often just to save time I do it less now but in the early days I would just do my own makeup because it was like I they were never going to get me to the Joan Crawford levels <laughs> <laughs> and I think in these telly shows they also um, if you're a boy they build in a certain amount of time mm. to the schedule yeah uh, a time that uh, old Reese needs a little longer <laughs> um and it's it's kind of what i i call it like commentator makeup like f- football commentator makeup where they like yeah it's just kind of like take the red out and and make me kind of matte and it's like no madam <laughs> no no the amount of times i've had to be like we've got to keep building <laughs> like it's yeah i can still see my original skin we need to change <laughs> trends that you've tried to pull off that aren't happening 
I'd love to be able to, I mentioned them earlier, I think those like high waist, high waist. So when I was a teenager, my favorite band was, and until kind of into my twenties as well with the Scissor Sisters and um, not a great band for my lisp, but um, <laughs> the guitar player in that band, Del Marquis, I was so horny for him <laughs> when I was a teenager. And he used to wear these like high waisted um, kind of seventies pants. And it's a big, there's a big Gucci campaign at the moment. Mm. They kind of, their last couple seasons have been very kind of very queer centric bowl cut men yeah. <laughs> with like, Big wide lapels and long jackets and high-waisted pants. And I just don't have that. You know, like, again, it's all about body positivity and there's no rules and there's blah, blah, blah. But I would look objectively bad in those pants. Like, <laughs> I just wouldn't look good in them. I don't have the right shape for them. And it's not about a weight thing. It's not about a... It's just the body that I have was not built for high-waisted <laughs> pants. And I need to accept that. <laughs> it's like you kind of see, I wish I could look like... Uh, those kind of festival gay men. I don't want to be buff. I've never had a want to be buff. But there's a specific type of shirt and, like, the guys that wear, it's very English, kind of like boater shoes and um, shorts and, like, a kind of wide collar. You see a lot of gay guys at, like, big music festivals and stuff wearing them. Look at me talking in broad generalisations. lovely tan. Yeah, and it's like, I'd love to look like that. I don't, and that's fine. <laughs> but I'd love to look like that. But I think, yeah, high-waisted pants are probably a big thing that I would wish I could wear. There's something very, I don't know, there's something very uh, sexy about, like it's very Bowie, very kind of to mm. wear these very figure-hugging kind of pants and it's very, it doesn't leave much to the imagination. No. And I don't mind that either. I love it. I think seven. that's kind of 70s man, like Freddie Mercury, Rod Stewart, mm. Um, mm. like Mark Boland, like... I just think that they looked gorgeous and yeah. really masculine, but like with kind of feminine shapes and fabrics. And I just think that that is the, and Elton John as well, that is like the apex of fashion. Yeah. I'm always trying to look like a man from the 70s. Yes. <laughs> like Bowie, of course. Like his, I used to call myself the thin white douche. <laughs> like, because his, that exact era of him as well is very, like the thin white duke is probably kind of what I looked like when I was about, 22 i was very skinny i had a heavy contour and i used to wear just like a lot of white suits i loved i went through a stage of like pale suits well i think that's why when i thought of you i was like oh pale blue suit and i think it's because i'm mixing you and bowie up in my mind yeah 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 and very similar you know we have very similar careers (laughs) i will also my my life My last release will be kind of a 10 minute long, strange, cryptic (laughs) song about me dying. (laughs) That will be the last set that ever gets released of mine will be a 10 minute death rattle of me dying in a club somewhere. And everyone goes, no one knew she was ill during this. The signs were there. Death rattle. (laughs) What a great last show title. (laughs) Death rattle. Is there a nice clothing that you've hung on to for years that that you still love now? Or do you get, do you rotate stuff? Yeah, I mean, my, like, if I'm not in a suit for work, I'm usually in, like, pretty plain, like, I wear black skinny jeans, I have a pair of black sneakers that I wear, and I either am wearing black and white stripy shirts, like my, again, my closet look makes me look like a sociopath because there's about <laughs> 12 black and white stripy shirts, but there is a particular one that is, like, a perfect black and white, like my partner always teases me because I'm constantly chasing 
the high <laughs> of it's, and it's just it's a fucking plain black and white strappy shirt but it's like a perfect like that sailor cut where it's kind of mm. doesn't cling at the bottom it kind of goes out yeah. a little bit um and just a plain shirt and what a boring answer i'm giving you but it's <laughs> i think it is often these it's not it's not for everyone it's like or for most people i'd say it's not like a fur coat it's not this thing it's usually like you put on accidentally a dumb thing, like just a regular piece of clothing, and you're like, "Oh, do you know what I mean?" There's like a, yeah. there's a, it makes me. It's both the simplest thing that I put on, but it also I feel quite, um, I feel kind of attract. I do feel attractive in it. Like it's just mm. a, it's just a plain black and white strappy shirt, but it makes me feel like a kind of Yves Saint Laurenty kind of. Um, which I don't think you meant to put the tea in. Um, <laughs> that's the most Australian thing I've ever... Yves Saint laurent Um Yeah, there's kind of Yves Saint Laurent kind of Frenchy kind of vibes. Mm. And I've, it's a boring answer, but it is... I've held... It's this one shirt that I reckon I've had for like close to a decade, which is a long life yeah. for a shirt of that kind. It really is. Do you think you'll get to the point where you'll just ask, go to a tailor and be like, Make me a dozen of these, oh, please. <laughs> and I would love to, like, if I, I would love to be the point, same with suits where, because there's a brand that I like in Australia called Jack London and they're just like, they just fit me and stuff. But I would love to be one of those people that goes to a place and just gets all their clothes made. Like, it feels very like, again, it's that kind of talent of Mr. Ripley era of like, it was very kind of socialite thing where you go to a tailor and they just make you a summer's worth of clothes. And imagine that. Yeah. Like imagine making all your choices. <laughs> I'm a big I'm big on that as well. Like I I love that um I'm, a lot of my clothes are the kind of the same, like my day to day clothes, because it just means I can get up and put like they're things that make me feel good and they're mm. clothes that I feel good looking in, but they're very the same. Like it's just kind of the same thing mm. over and over and over again. Which makes me sound boring, but it also just means like anytime I do wear something different. Like it means when I wear suits for work, it feels like a little party. Yeah. Like I they're the my full outlet is that. And then day to day is just like, you know, because I think you're probably the same. Like, do you, I forget, do you live in London or do you? No, I live, I live in Wales now, oh. but I was, it was sort of Manchester and London is where I was splitting my time. Yeah. But I moved back to where I'm from now. So. And it's like the day to day hustly, like when things are normal and you're like, you're running around a city, you kind of don't want to be in a big costume. It's sometimes when I see people, my, when I was younger, and I think it's an age thing, when I was younger, my dream was to be one of those people that looks done up to the nines at all fucking times. And as I get older, I'm like, that sounds so exhausting. Like to have to keep, <laughs> to have to keep my face good on the tube all day. Like whenever <laughs> I see someone who's really beautifully done up on a train or something, I'm always like, you're 22. <laughs> and you will learn. You and I think learn you have this, rich parents. This gets hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. You didn't you you're not having an awkward time. You're meant to be having an awkward time right now. Everyone looks like kind of everyone looks like it is it is an interesting I think the generation just below us it's not a privileged thing because, you know, no generation has more like each generation has their own ups and downs. But um in terms of dress sense, I think there is, we're in a very queer time and I really covered it. Like very, even you walk past, I feel like I'm just giving weird ads for Top Man, but um, very like bowl cuts, bleach, bleach, like it kind of, they kind of look like, um, I don't know how to say this, but in Australia, they almost, fashion at the moment 
uh, looks like poor people in the 90s. And I don't mean that as a, like, it is a very, it's a style of, like, tracksuits and big joggers. Yeah. And stuff. It's very interesting to me. It is, and I. I think we were a very lush time. Yeah, well, it's because we came off the back of boom bust eighties, which is about showing your money, and then when that, by the time that trickled down to sort of, uh, you know, like working class people, it was about like showing, oh well, like, opulence in a way of like we can afford these things, and that's why brands became very important. And now I think everyone's ag- acknowledging privilege. And, and examining it so everyone wants to look like they have no money in case anyone accuses them of sort of coasting to where they yeah. are. Yeah, <laughs> like I find the most fascinating piece of fashion at the moment is the enormous jogger. Like the really bit, like you can go to like Selfridges and see like a pair of $600 sneakers that are like not... Like they're just chunky. Do you know what? I, do you know the ones that I mean? They're kind yeah. of like they've just got. There's so much rubber, and they look like baby spices wearing them. But they're <laughs> like, and they're just so. Ex- and you see that these like very tiny little, almost goth people wearing like just very anemic queer kids on a train, <laughs> just with the like they're about to be chucked into a river by the mob. <laughs> like just these big heavy shoes. The, it's the it's the. A massive feeler, almost like bubbly Emma Bunton kind yeah. of shoe. Yeah, it's very in. It's lovely. I love to see it. I also think that maybe being a teenager, I just think how literate all teenagers are now or can be with makeup would have been such a gift when I was growing up. I mean, it would have been oh. constantly being bollocked in school for wearing too much makeup, but you just hate yeah. so much of your face and you obsess over your skin and stuff as a teenager. So to be able to manage that, would have felt, I think, very exciting. Yeah, and eyebrow, like eyebrows are back, which eyebrows I think is back. a great thing. They were, they were eyebrows a source of shame. Were when not we were... back when we were kids. <laughs> is there an era that that you wish you existed in, just for the fashion? Is it that sort of fifties? Uh, are we talking about? I on think the, so. On yeah. The continent? <laughs> I think late fifties into the early sixties. Um, because also that, uh, early sixties as well is that, you know, those movies like kind of Shirley MacLaine movies as well. That kind of the very, um, there was a while where, uh, the men weren't buff anymore. Like a lot of the kind of screen star men were kind of little, little kind of guys. And it's kind of, we're seeing it again with people like John Mulaney, the way that he wears suits, and the way that he looks in specials is kind of, um, and you know, some would say if you were to watch my special on Netflix, oh, it's uh, pretty close. Um, <laughs> the like, coloring wise, um, the uh, didn't do it on purpose, um, but that kind of era of sports jackets and and suits that are just very classically and beautifully, they don't go in, they just kind of go down, and yeah, like everything. I do often think, though, God, everyone must have stunk in those days. Like, when you watch shows like Mad Men, because I was a pack-a-day smoker for a long time as well, and I loved smoking, and I and I <laughs> have quit, and I'm better for it. <laughs> but um, when I was in a suit, like, any picture of me, somewhere I found a Polaroid recently, God, I'm a dick, um, of <laughs> me somewhere, like, it was backstage somewhere at something, and I was in a suit, and I was smoking, and I... I gotta say, I looked really good. <laughs> like it's, and also Polaroids do wonders. 
But they do. Um, I was in like a nice, like teal, like deep teal. Oh, that doesn't sound good, but like a kind of oceany blue suit, smoking suit, and I lo- it looked like the sixties. And I just think early sixties clothes, kind of mm-hmm. also. Rose Matafeo is someone that talks a lot about that era of style as well. Like it really worked for both men and women. Men were getting more, there was a bit more fun for men in that era. Like, Mm. and uh, clothes were very flattering, but not deeply uncomfortable for women. I think like we're getting to that era of no longer, like it's not the perfect teeny tiny waist of the fifties. It's more kind of these, flat down kind of dresses and yeah no i think it's yeah really interesting time early 60s i reckon yeah is but you know less less gay bashing <laughs> less murder Not none but just less <laughs> yeah yeah less boys can we just lower it please have you got an item of clothing that you put on and you just instantly feel just great and there is a suit it's that suit i was just talking about the one that I was smoking in the um and look it probably doesn't I haven't tried it on recently it doesn't f- probably doesn't fit at the moment uh, <laughs> lockdown um a lot of wine a <laughs> lot of cheese um but if you you know if maybe I put on some shapewear um does men's shapewear exist surely yes absolutely yeah. okay well, I need to quickly do some googling um there's a kind <laughs> of uh it, it, I, it's a suit that I it doesn't really look great anymore because it's kind of a bit worn, so I don't wear it anymore, but I still keep it. And I think that's, I'm not keeping it for any reason, but it's just a kind of, um, here, like, wait, one second. I realise it's... <laughs> I love it like, when people what, go off and look in their cupboards. Like, what colour would you call that? Ooh. Well, to me, it looks sort of like a, almost a teal colour. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, it's a full suit. It's a teal and it doesn't look great. It needs the steam. I wore it on Conan. I wore it on a bunch of... TV stuff like it was just a suit that I clearly put on once and was like oh this is it mm. and it's a 60s cut like it kind of does that thing where it goes down is it one, and then straight two button yeah 60s yeah great oh so yeah, nice and it doesn't that go in it doesn't go in at the waist it's so nice oh so it's just straight down yeah um and god this is what I've always wanted to talk about on podcasts <laughs> and yeah I for a long time that was I put it on and it was just like this is exactly what I want to look like. Mm. Like, this is exactly how I feel, like, want to feel and want to look. And especially doing something as huge as Conan as well, that you want to put something on where you're like, I don't have to... My outfit, I'm not going to have to worry about it. It's just going to deliver and I'm going to look exactly how I want other people to see me. And it just takes a massive extraneous variable out of your brain, right? And I... Yeah, and I kind of had a... Like, yeah, it wasn't something I really thought about. Like, I just knew I was going to wear that. And... Mm. I wanted to look like um, almost like I was doing the Tonight Show in the 60s. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yes. I wanted it to look like that kind of... And I I realised just a second ago, the reason I brought up Rose Matafeo is because she did Conan about a month before me and she wore this incredible, mm. like, um, not necessarily 60s, this was more kind of 70s, 70s maybe, but this yeah. like really... And it... It occurred to me, it's like, I hope she doesn't hear this because it makes me sound so like, I have such a platonic and career and style crush on her because she does this thing that's like uh, very, 
era themed, but not specific to an era. Like, you know what, she, like, you know, she wore something like that and I've never seen her wear something like that before, but it fit perfectly. Mm. And it's such a, it's such a swing. Like to wear something like that on a current, like, I don't know, uh, a very current show where he's wearing like denim, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, Conan's yeah. wearing denim. And then she's wearing this like seventies kind of, yeah. I, I, I don't do know. think it, it's um, vintage as well. So it's, it's a two piece, isn't it? It's a dress and a little yeah. jacket in the same material. And it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like a check, but it's cut on the horizontal of like baby blue and sort of like a peach. And it is just great. Cause you're so right. It has that look of looking like, looking vintage and looking like those kind of like and introducing to the show it's she's gonna be a yeah, big yeah. star it's rose Montefiore. Yeah. yeah it's so perfect and that's kind of what i what like as well i didn't so wear perfect. i wore just a nice plain suit with a plain black tie but i felt very mm. like like i like i could have a whiskey after work and like undo my tie it's just, uh, I like I like people that in comedy, because I think we work in an industry that isn't known for our fashion swings. Yes. Like usually when you see people on a Tonight Show or a talk show like that, or, you know, any kind of like telly stuff, we're just, you know, it's usually just, if it's a guy in his 40s or 50s, he's got a plain jacket on with like a bright shirt. And then often ladies are wearing kind of, you know, just a, like a nice thing. Yeah, jeans like and a, a nice but, top. Yeah. yeah, but to be able to wear like, no, we are on television. Yes. Like, do you, do you see what people wear in like, I don't know, what are those shows? Uh, those kind of 50s black and white TV shows like where, you know, um, Lucille Ball's on it or something. They're in a ball gown. Yeah. <laughs> because it's television. Like, yeah. you know. Dress up like you're going on a flight in the 40s. I was about to say, it's like how people used to dress when they used to fly. Yeah, it's like dress up. <laughs> we were chatting earlier about oh, yeah. glasses, because when I first met you, you always used to wear glasses on stage, and I have just found out that you don't need them. Yeah, I'm having so many people realise this shameful <laughs> fact about me. Because I, I used to wear them... And it was like a development. I just wore them once, like on stage. And who knows whether it was whether it was because of the glasses or not, but it just kind of worked a bit better. Like with the, there was just something about the suit that I was wearing and having glasses on and with the big hair. It just kind of was just another little piece of the puzzle. And for close to a decade, I wore them. And only about a year and a half, two years ago, did I stop wearing them because um, it just started to feel a bit like... And I never, yeah, they never had lenses in them. They never, like, they were never meant to be, like, I wear glasses. They were always meant to be almost, like, on stage, I would sometimes wipe my eye absentmindedly, like, <laughs> through them. Um, but it was just another, I did have a lady after a show once say to me that it was similar to having a, a fake wheelchair. And I don't think it's quite on the level of that. Um, no. Yeah, pretty bonkers, right? Um, <laughs> but... Yes, yeah, just with my fashion wheelchair. Um, but the, <laughs> like, not ideal. But it was another way that I could, I had, like, ten pairs. Like, I used to, they were all different, you know, I could, different suits had different glasses and they were just another little, I love an accessory, Kiri. I love just, like, a being going to plump something up with a fun little, like, at the moment, I'm obsessed with bolo ties at the moment and they are such a swing, like, like a fun, yeah, just like a little, 
they like and it so doesn't suit the rest of me and that's what i love about them like it's look like i'm like some gay rancher <laughs> i love it i think they're great but yeah glasses i don't know i just kind of stopped i don't know what it was i just started to you know when you wear something for a long time and then you very suddenly become embarrassed of it like it was a very mm. visceral set like a i put them on once and was like it's weird you do this and took them off and didn't wear them at that show that night and the amount of people that I've known for the better part of a decade that were like, oh, did you get laser or something? So clearly, like, I thought the whole time that I was being very clear that I don't wear real glasses. And then, and you know, people like, because, yeah, everyone very close to me knew. <laughs> and it's yeah. not like, it was just a weird, I think it would have been weirder if I if they had lenses and I pretended that I needed them or something like that. You know, that's some strange... You know when you meet someone that you're like, oh, what a weird liar you are. <laughs> like we- these weird little lies. Yeah. Like people that lie about their height. I love that. <laughs> I love people that lie about their height. I think it's such a fun, like I can see you. <laughs> I can tell by the door frame you're stood next to that you're lying to me right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I can see you. Yeah. Like, you know, like you exist 3D now. Um, but yeah, I, it is. I was just so that's fun. So, so the idea was the glasses were sort of like you thought you were doing it in a wink, wink kind of. This is a fun sort of like yeah, I don't know it was status kind of symbol. Or, yeah, costume. And then the fact that people had taken it at face value, and then you were like, oh no, I'm not doing that. No, and then yeah, it just becomes very embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, funny. It just played into the character of it. Like it's not. I don't think that they made me look smarter, but they definitely made me look more period like mm. of of a period or more kind of like it just played into the but I can't explain it it's weird can I ask um to jump away from that slightly what your relationship is like with shopping are you someone who wants to be there touching the stuff or is it online do you enjoy it or is it an absolute chore for you um I love it I um but also because of my uh yeah like upbringing i really agonize over things like as in i love buying that i love the feel i do get the rush like do you get the rush of spending money on something yeah i'm, I'm a terrible like, one for acquisition i find very validating <laughs> yes yes and um will often overpay for things like things that i know are overpriced but i will still be like well this is you can afford this and i can't Often I can't, <laughs> but but there is something about you know we do get to our lives where you, we are making a little bit more money and like we have a really I think the jobs that we have are not useful for our type of disease because when it rains it pours and then there's a drought and then it pours and then there's a drought so yeah. when we at the business that we work in we when we do make money sometimes out of nowhere it's quite a bit of money for quite a small amount of work. And I think mm. that's what people think it always is. But then you don't get paid again for a long time. But you, our brains don't know that. <laughs> and so I will, or um, like, you know, I'm lucky that my partner, um, and I say this with deep respect, he comes from money. And so he <laughs> knows how to manage it. And um, is, but it also means that he, he doesn't like shopping because he, doesn't love pouring over things and he doesn't love like when we go to a, if I, I love to like look in a store for a long time in that kind of very, and I think it, part of it comes from, 
op shopping, like through um, mm. charity shops, is because you have mm. to pour over it. You have to really yeah. trawl through to find the good stuff. Whereas if you come from money, this is a broad generalization, but you kind of go into a store and find what you need and you get out. Mm. And whereas, no, I love the I love the trawl and I love the finding. You know, looking through things and trying on everything, and but then I'll I'll often when a few years ago it's a little bit better now that I've got like a little bit more money, but I would try on a suit. This is how I used to buy suits. I would, which is already a very privileged. This is how I buy suits. <laughs> um, pretty privileged sentence, but I, I would uh, try it on at the start of the season and wait until it was like half price or like a, a third off yeah. or something at the end of it, which is like a very common thing, obviously, but it just means like I'm thinking about that suit <laughs> for like six months. Just always yeah. like, you will be mine, baby. Don't wait. Like sometimes I go there like two or three times and try it on <laughs> and be like, just you wait. <laughs> but also it means you're, you must, if you still love it six months later, you're going to love it in another six months. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. The blue, the, the blue suit though, that, that was like a, that was, I went in, I was like, and I remember thinking, I don't think I could afford it at the time, but I like made it, those weird little bargains you make in your brain that are like, well, just don't eat, I guess. <laughs> I know I exactly that. I guess this is a no like... food month. <laughs> <laughs> do you think about, um, do you think about sort of sustainability and things like that when you're, when you're shopping for stuff? I mean, I should. Um, yes, yes, and I, I think, I think it gets easier. Horribly, it's easier if you have a little bit more money. Yeah, yeah. Like you can look wealthier. <laughs> it's there's like this weird switch, like where you, you buy from those kind of high street shops, you know, top man, all the kind of things that are very cheap and they look good for like a little mm. while, but they are not good. Like they're very throw out kind of stuff. Like they, they don't last yeah. long and they, um, but then the more kind of well-made things, they last longer, but they also don't look, they don't have that kind of new, you're wearing something for longer. So it doesn't look new, if that makes sense. Like it yeah. doesn't. Um, and so they're, yeah, I don't know. I, I try and be, yes. I think as I've gotten a little bit more, but then nothing like a pandemic to really kick you in the money dick. <laughs> um, but I try my hardest and I think like everyone it's a constant struggle of like you know yeah I do I still do I, I still charity shop like it's still some of my favourite things and then it's a weird thing isn't it where sometimes you go to a charity shop now and there are like Primark and Top Man things in the charity shop mm. <laughs> like like it's so throw out so quickly that you're like oh this was this was like from two years ago I'll have this yeah. sure yeah um but yeah, I try to be as much as possible. But then I am also one of those people I hate clutter. And so I find myself chucking out things a lot, but I always donate them. It's a vicious cycle. I don't know. It's, I try. There's no accusations here. It's just because um, some people Fuck don't. You. It does, You're trying to trap me. <laughs> I'm trying to cancel you. And this is one of my avenues. Yeah, this is gotcha journalism. <laughs> well, no, because I think some people don't think about it at all. And that's absolutely fine. And, and also there's the conversation about like it's incredibly hard for plus size people to shop affordably in things they like that are sustainable so it's um yeah. it's a generic question don't you worry about it babes it's not accusatory yeah, yeah. <laughs> um 
I love that you still go to charity shops. Have you got a particular fave of things, something that you picked up either from a charity shop or a secondhand shop? Yeah, just like accessories. I think some of the best, um, especially like in Australia, in regular times, you can do a lot of kind of regional touring. And I'd say it must be the same in the UK. Um, And you can find yourself in a charity shop that some, like I've gotten some of my best ties, like just regular ties or like a couple of blazers as well. Um, where clearly, like, a stylish man has died in town. And th- that old lady running the charity shop doesn't know how much these are worth. Like, I remember buying... I bought 10 ties once. These really great 60s kind of skinny, um, pretty, like, abstract, very... Not polyestery, but, like, very... And just very kind of classy, nice, simple colours. Um and they, like, if they were in a, the difference, you notice the difference between a charity shop and a vintage shop. Like, mm. if some 29-year-old girl working in a vintage store had a mitts on these ties, they would have been, like, 40 bucks each. But because <laughs> this nice charity shop lady is like, I don't know, Harry died. And um, <laughs> his wife dropped off his ties. And so we were selling them for a dollar each. And I bought 10 <laughs> ties for a dollar each. And I, they're ties that I wear, like, all the time. Oh. Um, LA, like... LA charity shops are like something to be like, they're just, they're like museums. Like, because they're also, there's just so much as a country, I feel like America is such a consumer country and they're always like chucking shit out. And so their, their op shops are like some of the best. In the, I've gotten all my bowler tie. Cause in Australia, it's quite hard to find a bowler tie. Mm. Then you go to America and they're like, yeah. I got like a thousand. Do you want to troll through them? I don't know. Yeah, like that. I love the, um, I do it a lot in Edinburgh as well. It's like my calming thing during the fringe is I go to like some of those little vintage stores around Bristow Square mm. and everything's overpriced, but there's, you can spend a good hour or two in a place yeah, and just forget about the horror of that festival. <laughs> um, like, you know, in the, cabinets in a charity shop like those front bits the things that they're as if they're trying to keep like secret for like like people will steal these and they're just like usually a pair of earrings that are missing the pearls um finding a finding some good like a lapel pin or something in there is mm. pretty fun yeah next to a sort of royal commemorative mug They'll, yes. Every now and then there'll be something very beautiful and then something like and then you kind of like oh is this is this like memorabilia of like the second world war oh let's not like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter is that an eagle on that yeah it's like is that an e- would you call that an eagle or an owl what is that do you think maybe it's a hawk <laughs> so to finish up we're gonna ask you about your style moving forward the future can mm-hmm. you see it changing or do you think you have because you have such a definitive look do you and it's timeless as well do you think the look you have now is your look forever? I often think the hair is probably going to have to change at some point. Like the, um, only because, uh, you know, you, you see very old men with like dyed hair and it's pretty like, you're like, Ooh, bully. But then how do I know? And sometimes I must be going, my partner is going pretty gray already. And we're only like, we're in our early thirties. Um, I think that'll have to change. Um, and I think the same with the fact, like, there's something to be said for, I want to age, I want to do my best. I mean, everyone does, but I want to do my best to age kind of gracefully. 
But then you see someone like, uh, I don't know, Ian McKellen's like a weird one who like, the, oh no, do you know what? Peter O'Toole. Mm. These like very old men who look drunk all the time. <laughs> all the time. They just look drunk and kind of, but he would st- like, I remember this clips of Peter O'Toole would go on Letterman and he almost, I almost, I think if it was to change, I'd want to be, I want to become more stately. <laughs> If that makes sense. Like, cause also I quite love being, um, and we're a little bit the same. I think on this, like I like being dressed up and also being, I'm quite dirty on stage and there's something to be, I love how clean I look and how dirty I am. And I, I think as the older I get, I would like to be more, you know, I don't want to be like a creepy old man, but I would love to be kind of more stately, I guess. Yeah, I could see you in sort of a smoking jacket and a cravat type of vest. Yeah, something yeah, yeah, regal. just with it, <laughs> holding a big book for no reason. <laughs> um, but then I also like, because I'm also, I have quite a few tattoos. And so I don't know how that's going to, that's been like a weird thing that's grown over the, there's always something I, sounds so silly, but I, I quite like, this is so performative, but having like a bunch of tattoos under a suit, like there's something kind mm. of, secret about it and I want to keep going I want to have quite a few tattoos and part of it is people say like what are people going to think when you're old it's like I want them to be like wow that guy really committed to a look (laughs) in like I I kind of want to because I think we'll be the first generation of a lot of old people Mm. um heavily tattooed with tattoos (laughs) and that's going to look really strange um, I, yeah, I can't wait to see that. I just thought about that because there wasn't really a generation before. They had the odd one, you know, sailors' tattoos yeah. and stuff. But I think, yeah, we'll be the first heavily inked geriatrics. And yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Without, like, a scary reason. <laughs> scary reason. Uh, <laughs> um, is there an item of clothing you can always see yourself wearing? Black and white strappy shirts. Um, broadly speaking, suits. Mm-hmm. Like... I just think they're such a status symbol in probably some deeply horrible ways. But I love that they're always going to be... I love this kind of a... You know, I have some different gender stuff going on as well, so I can always have a face... Like, wearing a suit with a full face is, like, a really fun thing to do. Like, there is a bit of, like, a... "Ah, That's pretty... That's a pretty predominantly masculine, stereotypically masculine thing with a... With a pretty big lash... (laughs) <laughs> and I think there's just you can suits you can wear when you're a little kid and you can wear them when you're very old and I think there's like a and they and suits change with you like the and they mean different things as you get older and I really like I'm talking really broadly like the concept of a suit is pretty broad but they are really um there is a, there's a because of the history of there's just a status to them and I and I wish I wasn't addicted to that status but I I've walked into places that I should not have been because of the suits that I wear like I've literally walked into the Sydney Opera House before on a night that I my friend was doing a show and she had um and you know that whole this is very boring for people to see probably but there's a situation sometimes when you know you're allowed to go backstage but you're not on a list to go backstage and blah, blah, blah. anyways blah, blah 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 I just walked in and no one stopped me because I had a suit on. It's like walking somewhere with a ladder. Like no one's stopping the guy with a ladder because he's probably meant to be here. Um, and yeah, so I, don't, I think suits. I don't know if that's a boring answer, but um, no, it's a lovely I don't think answer. I'll ever stop wearing them. I hope not. <laughs> I don't know how they'll look with my nappy. But 
Um, are there any trends that you're hoping never come back? Oh, fascism. Um, uh, <laughs> Too late, baby. Um, yeah, I know. I re- as I said it, I was like jokingly said it. I was like, no, nope, no, nah, that doesn't work. <laughs> um, too late, baby. <laughs> um, I think like the uh, I was never a big UGG boot guy. I always think that was a mm. like the kind of fashion UGG boot, and I don't know if that you know it's a it's a look. It's the footwear of my people in two ways, yeah. both both the working class and Australians. Um, I just think I am, I wish I wasn't this way, but, um, you know, the way that I've, I've spoken so much about, I like being overdressed places. Mm. I fucking hate someone to be underdressed somewhere. Like it does, <laughs> like not in a classist way, but in just a kind of like, whatever your version of dressed up is, there are like places to be dressed up. Like I remember I went um, once one of the nicest things that's ever gotten to happen was I got painted for um, the Archibald. It's this thing called the Archibald, which is kind of, it's not the Turner prize, but it's kind of, it's a portrait people. um, Artists paint portraits of people that work in the media or kind of other artists and like, you know, artsy people and thousands of people enter it and then they you get hung in the gallery of one of the gallery of new south wales which is like one of the video and i got painted for it and um and i'm wearing a suit in it and i got to go to this gala opening like and it felt like it looked like it felt like the met gala it wasn't but it felt like just everyone the you know australia's arts community highest level and social climbers were all in one room Mm. just looking at art and then amongst people, like, people were in, like, huge furs and, like, really dressed up. And then there were just a few, like, just douchey artists who were dressed as if they'd just come from painting. Like, there was a guy <laughs> literally in overalls with, like, paint on the front of them. And I remember just being like, who, who do you think you are? Like, because, like, what a weird, like, again, it comes back to that kind of performative um it's like, uh, I don't know, we're wrapping up, but um, oh, people trying, people of money trying to look poor is mm. so funny to me and weird. And when you go to, I feel like when you go to a nice restaurant or you go somewhere classy, the people dressed up the most are the poorest people in the room. And the people not dressed up are, the, are always like, and you can always tell by shoes. Like um, I remember being somewhere, it was like Rodeo Drive or somewhere in LA. And I was in like, I might've been in like an Yves Saint Laurent store and I like dressed up to go shopping in nice shops. Like I wasn't in a suit, but I, I wanted to look nice. Cause you almost, I think feel, I feel like if you grow up like we did, you feel a bit worried that people are going to like, you're going to have a pretty woman moment. Like people are going to be a bit like, sir, not in here. But then you notice there's like people that look homeless were like walking around the store, but they've got like $500 sneakers on. And you're like, oh, like that's, I don't know. There's just like something. And that guy at the, I'm rambling a lot, but that guy at that exhibition just made me think like you probably, your parents are probably in publishing. You grew up in a really big house on the water in Sydney and you are trying to seem like you didn't grow up this way by looking like you just came from painting a house. And it's so bizarre. Yeah, it is. That's something I've noticed um yeah, that's 
a lot of the people I, I speak to on this as a, as a as a weird sort of byproduct. But I think if you grew up with not a lot of money around, when you make it, you dress your you always err on the side of being overdressed. And then I think people who've grown up with access and money always sort of compensate by underdressing. And I think that maybe yeah. comes from an ex- extreme confidence of no one if someone would ever call you out for being in the wrong place they would be in the wrong whereas yeah. if you grew up with no money you're always sort of you expecting that exactly i that, shouldn't that be here woman, they think yeah i shouldn't be, be it's here. an imposter it's imposter's moment absolutely final question um mm-hmm. what would you wear to be buried in oh that's good um much if i was like after all i've talked about suits and stuff i was like nude um, <laughs> burn me with my suit so no one can have them. Um, probably just like a nice, I think like a nice plain black, like nice suit. This is so boring, but just like a kind of with some nice, some nice little accessories. Um, but then I don't know if I'd be, I guess I'd have open casket. I mean, I guess it depends on how I died. Even if I was like a bur- <laughs> even if I burnt in a house, put me in that suit. <laughs> open casket put me in that suit people are, but then also it's like it's an open casket but the head is closed but the feet are open for some reason <laughs> um people just look at my feet um yeah i think just like a i don't I, i'm trying to think of a specific thing i'm like literally looking at my clothes actually wait i know <laughs> he's gone for a rifle through his wardrobe i have this like <gasps> Silver sequined, yeah. I think I've probably worn it at gigs that we've done together. Um, yeah, so you describe that to us. It is pretty gay. Um, <laughs> it is uh, sequins, uh, black uh, black sequins and silver sequins in kind of a pinstripe kind of uh, pattern, and it's kind of I love it because it is so over the top, but also pretty classic <laughs> like it's a classic cut of a jacket it's not like a um i don't know it's not something you would buy from like a party store or something like it mm. it was quite expensive and um it the weirdly bring it back around the portrait that i was talking about i'm wearing that in the portrait um and uh i think that because it would just be fun people would come up to the casket and just be like oh <laughs> like it's kind of <laughs> it's a disco ball kind of and it fits me really well um, so, yeah, I think that. And, like, a, I have a Tom Ford just plain black tie that I really like that I would wear that. Sounds lovely. And no, no pants, no, no underwear. No underwear. <laughs> and no, no, no trousers. Um, that suit jacket reminds me of when the Killers first came along and Brandon Flowers was wearing, was it Dior jackets? Just beautiful kind of statement but still really classic suit yeah. tuxedo jackets but with a, something exciting going on and it reminds me of that win from arcade fire is good for them as well just these really mm. bonk like they they're arcade fire a band that wear really crazy stuff on stage but they're actually when you break it down are quite pretty normal clothes they're just yeah they look like you know kind of like a um i never know if it's basquiat or basquay you know the like the artists that work with warhol a lot the you know who yes, I mean? I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but they, yeah, they're these very kind of like graphic, but very classic suits. Yeah, yeah. Think about that. Love it. 
Uh, what a great answer. It's been so lovely talking to you. Um, it's been I so been interesting. I feel like this is the most we've ever talked. Yeah, <laughs> like, we just, we, we've gigged together quite a bit and we've, we've been backstage a lot, but like... Yeah, it's always it's it's always nice to actually like hang out properly, yeah. even if it's recorded. Because also, when we're backstage, there's usually a middle-aged comedian holding court, and you and yes. I were just giving yes. each other wry side eyes. So there's oh not God. actually a, a chance to I have know a proper exactly conversation. What you're talking about as well. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, but no, this has been great. This is um, it's yeah. been lovely to chat. Yeah, I've loved this, and it's kind of it was exactly what I like doing, like talking yeah. about that type of stuff. So, yeah. I, like, learnt things. I was like, that's why I do that. It's therapy. That's what it is. It's therapy through clothes. Reese Nicholson, I am so glad it wasn't just my brothers who were given weird shirts from aunties. I'm so glad. And actually, I spoke to a few people and they're like, why did we get given a shirt? I'm glad it's a universal observation and not just my weird family, which so much of my other experiences end up being... Oh, Reese, what an absolute gem. Um, like I said, it's true that we haven't had loads of chat together, but that is the great thing about this podcast, is I can basically, oh God, just be really weird. And it's for me, it's a way of boring into the soul of people that I have admired from afar for ages. Not creepy at all. <laughs> if you want to be as creepy as me, why don't you head over to our Instagram and you can perv on some of the outfits that Reese chatted through in the podcast. Basically, every week we release an episode and we whack up there the outfits of the people we chat to so you can scroll back through and find the incredible killer looks that other people have spoken about as well. And um, It's a really nice, fun place to be. Um, so you can follow us at whoyouwearingpod on Insta or if you want to have a chat to us, you can email us, you can write to us. We have had a lush email from Emma this week who says, Dear Kiri, I love this podcast. Great start, Emma. Every time I listen, I come away with something. This can vary from feeling happy in my body, humbled by your guest experiences, boosted by the humour, or the need to buy something with sequins immediately. Yes, Emma. This podcast has introduced me to vintage websites, prompted me to reconnect with how I thought about clothes in my 20s and get back into charity shops. Amen, sister. My nine-year-old daughter and I have just started to pop into our local chaser shops every week looking for treasure. I love this so much. Just today, she found a cute purse, bought it for a quid, and when she got home, she found 50p in it. Yes! Just amazing and so fun. It turns shopping into making memories. Oh, my gosh. Emma, what an... I'd never even thought about that. It really, really does because I can... You know what? Nearly every single item from a charity shop, I can remember where I got it and how much I paid for it. Oh, that's so true. Whereas I cannot think that about high street shops. I just don't have that connection with it. What a great point. Anyway, over lockdown, I started walking a lot. Walking and podcasts nurtured my mental health and your podcasts have been the main player. That's so lovely. I started with Guilty Feminist, heard the All Killer crossover, binged on your back catalogue and now I'm all over Wayward, as I'm calling it. <laughs> W-A-Y-W. I'm sticking with it. Just listen to the Michelle DeSwart episode. I love being introduced to all your incredible, warm and generous guests. Do you know what? There's not been a dad, has there? I'm sure I've got one in the post. But um, 
I'll just put it on my close friend's story. <laughs> no, everyone's been great so far. I love being introduced to all your incredible, warm and generous guests, each one sharing their joy, pain and dodgy outfits. Thank you so much. Can't wait for Glasgow on Monday. Emma. Oh, Emma, thanks for coming along to the show. Oh, it was a belter. Always love Glasgow. And then she's put a little asterisk here and says, also, Rachel, Rachel Fairburn, who I host um, the All Killing Filler podcast with, an upcoming guest on this series. Rachel is a legend. She reminded me how cathartic it is to swear very loudly and to basically give very few fucks about the things that you can't change. <laughs> she says, I'm going on a bit now. I honestly believe that listening to your podcasts are good for mental health. My hubby is a shrink and I keep trying to get him to do a study. Well, I bet he's absolutely thrilled about that one, mate. <laughs> um, oh, what a lovely message. That has um, the whole thing about making memories. Oh, my God, I, d- I don't know why, but it's just really speaking to a part of my soul. So thank you for pointing that out to me. Um if you have got something to say, um, you can pop us an email. We love reading them. Um, you can email us on whoyouwearingpod at gmail.com. Now then, every week I choose to bang on about a small business that I think is brill. And I was thinking about, because I was trying to relate, relate it to the guests, and I was thinking about Freese, and I was like, well, I've done suits before, um, and I've done tailoring before. And, I've, and then I was like, I think I know what I want to talk about, because I was... Um, aghast well not aghast but certainly shocked when Reese said he doesn't actually need glasses because I'd always when I first met Reese, he had glasses it was part of the look that sort of sharp 60s look so I was like okay let's think about his imposter glasses that's what I'm going to call them from now on and I sort of get it though because it's another accessory isn't it I mean I love wearing face masks because to me I'm like bonus accessory but I get why he's got these glasses on. I went through a fake glasses stage. Of course, it is. I was indie sleaze. Um, but why leave gorgeous glasses to people who need them to see better? So please let me introduce to you a milliner who makes a stunning line in eyewear. I'm so excited. If you don't know about this person, I'm so you're just going to be absolutely blown away. Uh, please get to know Pearl and Swine. So Pearl and Swine. Um, is the brainchild of Bink. So she works in a studio that is basically the downstairs of her house. So she works from there and makes everything herself in West Yorkshire. And she is self-taught, which is... Well, it is wild when you see how beautiful her pieces are. Oh, my gosh. She makes everything, like I say, by hand and to order, and it really shows. So I found her by her incredible sunglasses, which you can have prescription lenses put into if you contact Bink in advance. She'll sort it out for you. Um, and I've got my heart set on some of the Medusa glasses for this summer, which have snakes coming out of them. But there's a filigree pair, which which she makes all the filigree pieces herself, so can do them in any colour. There's ones of huge tentacles coming out of them. They are just extra in every kind of way. They're real sort of showstoppers. And just so much fun as well. Like sunglasses, I think. I love sunglasses. I love oversized sunglasses. But like the root of those oversized sunglasses on our way, if I'm not talking about like Jackie O, Victoria Beckham stuff, it's all quite stern and boring. Like you cannot say that about pearls and swine. Like it's all so feel good and daft and camp and I absolutely love it. I genuinely, I've got to decide between the Medusa glasses for the summer or the filigree ones, but I love them both. <laughs> um, oh, I've also massively fallen for her headpieces and how she talks about them. L- listen to this from her website. It's beautiful. 
For me, millinery is like reading the best book you've ever read. And there's a real pleasure in not knowing the end of the story until you get there. I love just flowing with my materials. My hats just seem to make themselves as if by magic. I try not to get in the way or overthink where the hat is going. It becomes what it wants to be. I, I'm lying down to record this. I'm under a duvet in a premiere in Barry, if you must know. And I would have collapsed if I wasn't already lying down. That is such a beautiful thing and such a one of the best and clearest expressions of creativity I've heard. I know I'm being really lofty here, but just so much about what she does and, and how she talks about it really sort of resonates with me. You know what? I slag off social media on the and the internet, but it's helped me find all these talented, passionate makers... And they're all so creative. And the way they talk about their art form is how I feel about comedy. I know that's so over the top, but that whole thing about, like, when I'm making a show, it just starts making itself and you're just like, oh, this is exciting. Where's this going to go? I'm just going to be a part of it and try and not get in the way of it. So, yeah, I'm so glad that I'm able to just enjoy these people's work. So please, please go and have a nose around Pearls and Swine's Insta and page and their website and then thank me later I guess so pearls and swines I'm going to be back next Monday with stand-up comedian and cabaret doyen Kat Cohen see you then by Joe Southard, the artwork is by Mario Phillips and the music is by Annie Glass. This has been a Little Wonder production. <laughs>